Hello and welcome to Act to Age, a podcast where two adults dive into young adult books in order to discuss how their appeal transcends age and other boundaries. My name is Corinne. And I'm Tasia. And today we are continuing our Throne of Glass journey by talking about Queen of Shadows by Sarah J. Mass. And we are very excited to have, for the first time in our Throne of Glass coverage, a special guest with us here today. If you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Allie. So Allie, if you are on Book Talk at all, is very big in Throne of Glass TikTok. And so we reached out to her and we were super excited to uh, have her say yes to joining us here to talk about this series. Because obviously you love it if you're... Oh my God, yes. I will take literally any excuse ever to talk about Throne of Glass. It took over my life when I read it during quarantine. Oh, is that when you first read it? Yes. I literally... I finally caved and got a TikTok during quarantine and that was prime Draco Malfoy TikTok. And I mm. was like obsessed. And that led me to book talk, led me to read Throne of Glass. And it literally like it's dramatic, but it changed my life. Like it no, yeah. reignited like my love of reading and COVID was like a weird time. So like it gave me that confidence back that I needed. It's, oh, it's just such a good series. It is. I, I read it. it really recently. And, uh, for the first time. And it was, I Corinne t- kept telling me like, it's life-changing. It's so good. And I was like, it's probably fine. And then I read it and I was like, oh God, no. <laughs> just completely dismantled my entire life. It's so funny. I've been a brunette like my entire life. And right before I swear to God, it was before I read Throne of Glass, I chopped off all of my hair and went blonde. And I was like, oh, God. it's fate. Am I Aitlin? Am I Aitlin? Yes, absolutely. 100%. Uh, we, we all wish. Yeah, she's know, right? the best. Um, so yeah, we're super excited to have you here today. We'll have you do it at the end too, but if you want to tell our listeners where they can find you on TikTok, uh, in case they want to pause, get the vibe, and then come back in. Yes, just definitely beware. I tag all of my videos as spoilers, but just be ready to scroll. If you do go to my TikTok, um, the handle is Big Allie G. You can also sort, search Allie Whitethorn Galathinius because I'm a loser. Um, and I, still, I pretend I'm Aitlin every single day. So you can search either one of those and I will come up. If you're a loser, we're a loser. So <laughs> again, we're in good company here today. Yes. Um, and it's really great to note the spoiler tag. And I guess I'll say it now. This episode, if you've never read Throne of Glass before, we will be spoiler free. We'll talk about all the books up to this point, including Assassin's Blade. Uh, but then towards the end, we'll have a spoiler section with like music cue that will let you know uh, that we're waiting into spoiler territory for the rest of the series. And we also might talk about some of the other Sarah J. Mass series while we have Allie here today. So uh, that'll be down the road, depending on how long this is. Uh, if you've listened to us before, you know, it could be quite long, uh, but there will be spoiler-free content for most of the episode. Uh, but before we dive into this book itself, what other than Throne of Glass are we into to these uh, these days? Tasha, if you'd like to go first. Um, really, the only thing that is filling my brain at the moment is um, Bridgerton season two, the trailer for that dropped pretty recently. And um, I mean, I'm, I'm a big Anthony and Kate fan, mostly a big Kate fan uh, from the books. And I am just really excited. I recently did a rewatch of season one and I'm actually oddly hyped the most for this season, aside from like the Kate and Anthony of it all um, for Benedict Bridgerton. I really liked his book. Um, 
on rewatch after reading the book too, like the actor that plays Benedict is just really great. And like from all the teasers and stuff, he's just turning the charm up to like a thousand. So I am really hyped up for, for him to get like a really good setup for his season, which would be the season three. That's it. It's just head empty. Bridgerton only. Yeah. Patient is. This is about me. After season one of Bridgerton, I became deeply obsessed with Jonathan Bailey who plays Anthony mm-hmm. Bridgerton. And so this is my moment. I'm very excited. I'm very ready. My obsession has manifested in trying to find an original copy of The Viscount Who Loved Me, which is the season's book with like the old school step back. And I did mm-hmm. find one for a very reasonable price and I was very excited about it. Uh, so that's my eBay purchasing right now. Um, but I, I'm, I'm with you. It comes out three days after recording this episode. I'm super jazzed about it. But related to Bridgerton, I guess I did read a couple other things since last time we recorded, both of which were Regency romances, um, both of which were advanced copies. So thank you to the publishers. But I really love them both. They're both very different. The first was To Marry and To Meddle by Martha Waters. This is the third in her Regency Vows series. The first was To Have and To Hoax. The second was To Love and To Loathe. And I really like the series. Um, it's her, her first books and each book has gotten progress- progressively better. And I really like this one, which, you know, plot doesn't really matter. It's marriage of convenience, which is always very fun. It's a couple that's been kind of dancing around the edges of the previous two books. And I really liked how their story paid off. There was like some weird attempts to kind of insert diversity that were pretty fleeting, which was part of the problem. But ultimately, because they were fleeting, it didn't let me really lose sight of the things that I did enjoy about the book. And I enjoyed so much of it. Um, so that was really good. And then I also read a lady for a Duke by Alexis Hall. Alexis Hall is probably most well-known for boyfriend material, which came out in 2020. and was a big rom-com hit. This is a very different type of book. Um, it is a historical romance, like I said, and it's the first historical romance that I've ever read or encountered that features a trans heroine. The premise of the book is these two best friends go to war and Viola, our heroine, um, is presumed dead at the Battle of Waterloo. And she takes that opportunity uh, to live as the person she's always known she is, even though it means giving up her title, her riches and her best friend, the Duke of Gracewood. Years later, she comes back in contact with Grace Wood, and he has really just been broken by the war and by the loss of her. And so it's just this beautiful, like, rumination on identity and and gender and love and friendship and grief. And it is not a rom-com at all, uh, but it was just so much pining and aching. And he's just a tremendous writer. um, And I just really loved it. It was really something special. And it's the first historical romance, again, that I've ever seen that has a trans model on the cover and it's like an old school clinch style um, romance. So it was just like really great stuff from Alexis Hall. He's kind of hit or miss for me, but I really loved it. I just got that arc and I'm so excited. It was so good. It was just such a special story. I loved it. Allie, what are you into these days besides Throat of Glass? Always been a best. Um, <laughs> I actually did it until looking at your guys' notes. I didn't realize Bridgerton, the second season was coming out. So now I'm just like really, really excited for that. Um, and I travel for work, so I'll be in Wisconsin next week and I can just start watching it on the plane. Perfect. So really, yes. really hyped about that. Um, other than that, I've been, it's not really book related. I've been with like Crescent City 2 and from, from Blood and Ash. Like it's almost put me into a reading slump because there's so much pressure to like read them before it gets spoiled. Um, but I've been recently, my house 
is like a whole thing, but we're redoing the entire first floor because it got flooded. Oh no. A lovely Hurricane Ida in September. Um, but it does give us the opportunity to do things like it would be hard to normally do. Yeah. Um, so I'm finding different ways to kind of sneak like bookish, like subtle bookish stuff everywhere, like literally everywhere. Ridiculous. So like me and my friend went thrifting the other day and got these um, like paintings that are like cheapy paintings. And I put it's a vase, like a Grecian vase. And I put a Niffler in it from Fantastic Beasts. Like I painted okay. it. Uh, and then I put a bow truckle like on the side of it. And it doesn't blend in by any means, but like it's not so outwardly like Harry Potter that like it's just so yeah. fun. Um, so that. I've been doing just trying to sneak like little things. So I'm getting, I know we said no thermal glass, but like I'm <laughs> getting a map of, I'm assuming it's Illyria, but I never know how to say any words in any yeah. book series. Um, so like a map of the entire world because it just it just looks like a map so like you wouldn't really know until yeah yeah subtle book merch is the best and I fucking love uh, maps like book maps as framed art pieces I think it's so cool it's so classy it's so pretty I love it yeah so I mean obsessing over Crescent City 2 and then I have probably read 100 pages of the new from Blood and Ash so yeah when we're off air, I'd love to hear your thoughts about that because I'm sure there are thoughts to be had. I just have been so polarized. Like I know. TikTok's just fighting. People are like, it was fine. It was like, it was horrible. I'm like, yeah. I, I'm only 100 pages in. Yeah, no, <laughs> for sure. Um, I totally get that post Crescent City to like book merch buying spree because I am currently sit staring at my wall three prints I bought after Crescent City 2. They're all pretty subtle too. One says Fireheart at the top and then it has like an image and then it says you do not yield on the bottom. One says Cursebreaker, which is for Akatar and says only you can decide what breaks you. And then one says Starborn and says through love all is possible. And it's just like love to have an emotional breakdown during my work day just staring yeah. at them above my computer realistically it's the actual big three <laughs> <So>. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's great so i uh, love this for all of us we, we love to support a small business on etsy or whatever i know and- i saw corinne's fireheart thing and i was like oops <laughs> add it to my cart oops it's on my wall now I know. I'm kind of sad. I can't see it in the background there. I know. It's it's in my hallway. Yeah. All right. Well, you can fine. see in my background is Nick Cave, which is very important, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we should probably dive into this book because, like I said, our notes here are quite lengthy today. Um, as we said last episode, we just stopped writing book summaries because we don't like to do it and we're bad at it. We were faking it every week anyways. So yeah, we were just like stealing them from websites, but we said we would <laughs> ad lib what happened in the book as like a freeform discussion. So what happens in this book? Actually, I think a lot happens in this book and probably one of my like issues with it is that it feels kind of disjointed. Um, like it feels like several different stories are happening at once and ending at different times. It doesn't feel as cohesive to me. Um, but we've got Selena now Aelin's back and Adderlon, Jean Kale, dark place, <laughs> real dark place. <laughs> not, not good. Um, she starts scheming in some of what becomes her trademark Aelin scheming to, uh, kind of bring down those who have wronged her and kind of save the day culminates in, uh, the murder of Arabin, which we're all very pleased about cheering, <laughs> um, <laughs> cheering across the board here from all of us. She, uh, rescues Adian from the King. Prince Lysandra 
Mm-hmm. Or Lysander become BFFs, which yeah. like. It's yes. my favorite friendship in the series. I think Very that good. isn't like, I mean, Dorian and Kale are great, but uh, Aelin and Lysandra is yep. it's where it's at. Yep. Um, our main man, Dorian, is, you know, not that's good that demon. It's not good. Are we starting the tears already or should I? Right. <laughs> Literally. Would you like to start, start us off on our crying jag? Listen, I've had a, like a terrible headache all day. I am emotionally vulnerable. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. I'm just like going well, like, to warn you all. And this book starts off just like it's ready. It's ready there with a knife in the heart. It starts off with the POV, a Dorian POV, but it's like him possessed by this Valg prince. And it is dark. Real dark. It is fucking dark. And it's so sad. It's so upsetting. Yeah. Uh, what else happens? Um, Rowan pulls up. It was, yeah. a, it was a rough 200 pages. But it was so long. It's so much longer than I want it to be for him to show back up in uh, comes over from Wendelin, has great reunion scene, which I'm sure we'll talk about again. Um, and then we've got Manon over in Marath. Mm-hmm. Uh, shady shit's going on there with the Duke, whatever his name is. Um, she meets a lead, uh, which I will never actually think that that's how that name should be pronounced. <laughs> like, I is always, that how like, it's supposed to be pronounced? It, My it, brain always says a lied. Yeah, no, it's a lead. I've watched Sarah J. Mass pronunciation videos, like where she says them because they don't make sense to me otherwise. Like she just comes up with things that don't you make just sense. blew my mind. The lead. I thought it was Elodie when I was reading it, like Melody. So yeah. we're all we're all doing great. Um, she is from uh, Paranth, which is in Terrison, and her mother is the one who sacrificed herself to save Aelin. Now she's being held by her uncle, who's awful, and he's in with the king and the Valg and all that good stuff, and she's chained and, like, treated as basically a slave there, and Manon realizes that, hey, you've got witch blood in you. I'm going to take you under my wing, and uh, they both kind of deal with some of the horrors that are being inflicted on some of the witches there. Um, Manon and Dorian meet. It's n- not noteworthy at all. Um, <laughs> not important. Not important. Um, and eventually, at the end of the book, Aelin manages to free magic. Dorian is freed from the Valg Prince. He kills his father, brings down the entire glass castle. Kale is left unable to walk at the end, and Aelin begins the journey back to Terrison with her court. Anything else? Lorcan, Lorcan gets shit on. Lorcan. The entire time he's around. It does. Yeah, yeah. Not one single thing goes his way in this <laughs> book, which is fine. It's absolutely It's great. so funny. It's fine. We're cool with that. Just getting puked on at the end is was just like the, the cherry <laughs> on top of the shit cake that he's It's so eating. good. The whole oh book, God, it's so yes. funny. He's so like whipped on Maeve that he like, it's, it's so fascinating to think about his blood oath that like he can go contrary to her wishes to get the word keys because he wants her not to have them because he thinks it will corrupt her. And like the bond works in such a way that lets him do that. It's very fascinating to me. Um, but yeah, so um, let's dive in. The first <laughs> thing I have written here, because I think this is probably like everyone's biggest takeaway from this book is what a rough cow book it is. So like, maybe we'll just talk about him, get it over with because it's rough. It feels like there's a lot of backsliding here. And especially from him, like it's the most egregious from him because you see him kind of defend his, like 
decisions regarding Aelin in the last book in Era Fire. And then you see he's reunited with her and it's in just an instant backslide. And I think it makes a lot of sense because like they, they reunite. And I think they both kind of realize that what they had is no more. And they're both feeling some kind of way about it. Like, even if you, if it's a good thing that this is ending, you're going to feel some kind of sadness about that. And the way both of them react to that is, you know, it, it is just like a little, it's a little bit immature. They're both young kale, especially he lashes out. So Aelin being Aelin lashes out in response, but kale is just, he spends a lot of this book being really nasty about her, blaming her for not being there when he's the one who sent her away. It's just, it's a lot of bad stuff that I don't trust you. Just unprompted kind of goes on the attack. The entire book is like him stomping his foot. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like when one of the first thing he says to her is you didn't come back with an army, sir. Did you ask her to? <laughs> yeah. I'm confused. Was that a request? Yeah. yeah. Like, didn't you send her away to protect her from all of this? And then you're mad that she wasn't here to save you from everything that happens. Like that's, and it's obviously he's just coming from a place of hurt and he's being kind of a baby about it. And he's lashing out, which I think it makes his arc kind of nice here in like, they have a really nice full circle moment. I feel like where, you know, in a crown of midnight, when he first saw her, like in her fae form using the fire magic. And then he sees her fire again at the end here. And he's like, oh, that's lovely. Like the, the contrast from like the fear and the disgust and the first time he sees it to like the acceptance at the end is really nice, but boy, do we have to go through it to get there? Yeah. It's really frustrating after the last book, I like cried. And like my favorite quotes at the end where he stands up to the King and he's like, has this great moment of full circle, like accepting Dorian for who he is. And then like, yeah, it's just a total black slide. And I, I do think though, now that I was prepared for it on this read, I could actually kind of track his journey more. And I really appreciated Nezrin more for being like, oh, we didn't talk about Nezrin. Yeah, Nezrin's there. Hi, we love you. Um, But I really loved her this read because she calls Kale on his shit. Every time. He he likes feeling sorry for himself, essentially. And that's what it is. Um, But it doesn't make it fun to read at all. Yeah, no, it's it's rough. And I am glad for Nezrin being there to be like the audience avatar and tell Kale everything he needs to hear. Yeah. I feel like she gets overlooked, which sucks. Because mm-hmm. I, and even I overlooked her the first Same. time. So I was like, eh, whatever. But like, yeah, going back on a reread, she literally, I think one of the things she says is like, are you sure you're not letting your history like cloud your judgment? And like, he is mm-hmm. because he, she's not who she was. Wow. And it's like in the last book, he was supposed to have come to grips with this, with everything Dorian had talked to him about. Like, you can't, you know, love only certain parts of her. You have to love the whole thing. And it's just, it's, it's a huge backslide, but you know, she needed to kind of make everybody backslide a little bit so that they could have a full arc here. Yeah. So Kayla's just always had someone to blame. He blamed his parents for everything that went wrong. And then he found Dorian and, oh, but then the King was bad, but Dorian's still good. And it's like, wait a minute. What if Dorian is also bad now, not because of Dorian, but because of this, Thing inhabiting him and he's like I don't have I don't have anyone good anymore so like I'm, everything's just bad all the time that's yeah. a really good point I'm the only good thing now so yeah <laughs> that's a good point too and like the, his one redeeming thing and I'm stealing this from you Tasia because I think you have this noted here but like 
the best thing about him in this book is his love for Dorian. And it uh, still, though, there's like elements of hypocrisy than how he treats like Dorian versus Aelin. I love this moment, though, because Aelin calls him out, too. So Dorian is allowed to have magic. You can come to terms with his power and yet my power is an abomination to you. Dorian has never killed anyone. Dorian didn't gut Archer Finn in the tunnels or torture and kill Grave and then chop him up into pieces. Dorian didn't go on a killing spree at Endovier and left that left does instead. And I like love that how his Kale's arc in this book is tied up then is ultimately like the object of his hero worship Dorian does have to kill people. Like he kills mm-hmm. his father at the end. He kills, we don't know how many people in bringing down the glass castle. So, you know, that's really not the issue. I mean, it just goes to show that that's not the real issue with Aelin. It's that he's hurt and he's lashing out. Um, and it, I, I just think that it's a good vehicle to, show that growth by having his, his best friend kind of become monstrous as well. Um, but yeah, no, it's really hard. I think a lot of people, um, who particularly like were into Cal and Selena early on, like have a real rough time with this book. And I get it because it is really hard to read if particularly if you love him a lot. Um, it's hard to read even he's not my favorite in the world, um, of the whole series. I mean, I like him a lot, but it's still really hard to read. Um, but he gets there by the end. Yeah, I think another big kill issue here is that he's got such tunnel vision regarding Rifthold and Adderlin that he is just completely blind. So, like, he he accuses Aelin of, um, what does he say? He says, do you understand what it was like for us here while you were off gallivanting with your fairy prince? Do you understand what happened to me, to Dorian? Do you understand what's happening every day in this city? Because your antics and when then might very well have been the cause of this. And I'm like, well, first of all, number one, you sent her there. Again, my dude, that was you. Number two, like, I don't think anybody understands what's actually going on better than Aelin does. So, like, for you to throw that in her face, yikes. She was sparing his feelings yeah. up until that. Like, she purposely mm-hmm. was hiding stuff from him so he could process at his own speed. And he went and became an a-hole. So she was like, you know what? Guess what else I learned there? And guess what else I went through? Yeah. And he goes and said, you made a spectacle of defeating them. She barely lived, my dude. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like a spectacle or like whatever word he used. Yeah. He's talking about like, who's going to check your power? Who's currently checking the king's power? The assassin king, the pirate king. Like they all have this unchecked power. So like, I don't know where you get off saying who's going to check your power. Nobody checks power. Power is power, whether you have magic or not. Magic, money, it doesn't matter. Everyone's going to have it. Yeah. And to that point, like, again, he, he's like, if she could make an entire city burn as retribution for a fake queen whipping her friend, what would she do if, uh, to the empire that enslaved and butchered her people? And I think it's really interesting here that, like, he acknowledges the atrocities that the empire that he has served committed against her people. But, um, but in the same way that, like, all people that have power don't want to return power because they're afraid that the people that they have oppressed are going to then use that power uh, against them like this mistreat them the way that they have been mistreated. And I don't think that like from Kale's point of view, I don't think he's worried that like, Oh, Aelin's going to destroy the King. Oh no. Like he's fine with that. He's obviously worried about like the, you know, innocent bystanders or whatever, but it's still like a very, this is a common thought process amongst people with privilege. And it continues on when, when even he, he goes after Nezrin for something and, uh, Oh, he says something like, oh, you wouldn't understand. And she's like, excuse you. I am a child of immigrants and uh, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. 
And I just, you know, Kale just, he has a lot of growing to do in terms of like learning to see outside of his own perspective and his own torment. On that same like track, at one point, he's trying to defend or like put down Aelin. I don't even remember, but he's like, well, he killed Sorsa. I don't even know how to say Sorsa. Is that it? Sorsa? Sorsa? Sorsa. There we go. At one point, he's like, he killed Sorsa, like talking about the king. And Aelin goes, he killed millions before her. Like, yeah. open your eyes. Like, mm-hmm. I know you cared about her, but what about everyone else? Yeah, that's the problem. She's looking worldwide and he's looking in his own house and that's it. One of the things, I guess I'm like falling into Kale Defender role a little bit here. Like, <laughs> one of the things that actually kind of stuck out to me, though, on this journey, and on the one hand, it could be something that is maybe just like a weakness in Sarah's writing. I mean, obviously we like love her and are obsessed with all of her books, but this is one of her earlier books still. And I think she's come a long way in her writing and her plotting. So it could be like just an inconsistency in his character and her plotting. But like, I do think the fact that like, despite his protestations about everything and him being so high and mighty, he does a lot of things that run contrary to the things that he's spouting off. Like, why is he involved in killing Arabin? He's literally yelling at Aelin for killing people. And then he goes and like helps Lysander who has slit his throat in the night and like fakes the blood footsteps. So like, I think I'm choosing to look at that as a sign of like his, his good heart and who he really is and ultimately how he will see the light. And, and I think that we, that's a nice moment of illustration of that. Have going, why is he going along with all of Aelin's plans in this book? If he like thinks she's like while talking shit, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and like, you know, I like to, even though the Nehemia stuff doesn't land for me in the first couple of books, like it should, I like when he goes with to save Lysandra and like basically vows that never again, like, would he let that happen that this friend of Aelin's would be lost. And I really like that. And I don't agree with Aelin that he should have done more to save Dorian at the end of the last book. Like she's like, you should have done everything to get him and Sorsha out. And she flips out on him and she wasn't there. That's not um, a call for her to make, but I love then how he does sacrifice himself for Dorian at the end of this book. And it's really nice. So can cry again. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of my, like, like on the positive kale note, I think uh, one of my favorite moments of his is when he tells Aelin, regardless of what happened between us, I was a fool to serve the king. I like to think I would have left someday. And I agree. I think he would have left someday. Yeah. You know, as long as he could have taken Dorian with him. Yeah. And it's a nice full circle moment from the beginning of the book by saying that he was a fool to look at all the lives she's taken and, and just, you know, be into her anyway. So yeah, he gets there, but it's like, I love Kale's arc in every individual book, but then it's 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 all like, you know, one step forward, two steps back. So we're mm-hmm. like getting the same arc multiple times. It's a good one. I love it. I'm happy for him to go on this journey. But yeah, it's just luckily this is the worst behind us now. His biggest villain is himself, really. Yeah. yeah. And he he doesn't even know it. Yeah. Like he's he's in this book. I wanted to punt him off the glass yeah, castle no. every every time he opened his stupid mouth. But, like, you're right. His actions show that, like, if you could just maybe pay attention to anyone but yourself, you are not a bad person. If you yeah. could just, you know, wait. But he up. just needs to get over his, like, he's feeling petty, I think. He's just feeling petty. And, and he knows what the right thing to do is. He's just, he's got his feelings hurt. So he's going to, like, be a little bitch about it a little bit. 
which, you know, he's what, 20 years old. I was a little bitch then too. So it's fine. You know, it's hard to remember <laughs> their ages sometimes. Again, why a podcast? We're talking about young adults here. And he, he exemplifies it, unfortunately, the most sometimes, but mm-hmm. that's all right. We still love him. And yeah, he's, we've got another journey ahead of now at the end of this book when he can't walk anymore. So, yeah. And I mean, when it comes to going on journeys of like opening your perspectives, I think, I think uh, Tower of Dawn does a lot of that for him. So yeah, yeah. we've got, we've got better kill stuff coming. Just yeah. it's rough right now. Yes. Do we want to talk about, what do we want to talk about next? We want to talk about Aelin. I feel like sometimes if we don't talk about her right away. It's like, we're dancing around the center yeah, point I, of the it's book. It's funny. I, I don't even have that many Aelin specific notes, but I have Aelin notes in everybody else's notes because she's just you know she's the main character yeah this is a great alien book but i don't think it's like the most it obviously there's very important stuff that happens with respect to her journey and particularly with the arabin stuff and um but it is kind of like a transitionary book i think for her in a lot of ways this is her like coming of age book yeah yeah this is her like air fire was like a transformative and this is like becoming an adult like this is like the plotting the scheming the this isn't just about one city one country this is about the entire I don't even know what to call it like continent yeah I mean there's a southern continent so we'll just pretend it's a continent but like it's about everyone everywhere Yeah. yeah I think this book really kind of solidifies what she was kind of doing at the end of era fire in terms of becoming Aelin and putting Selena aside, like this was really the last moments that she had as Selena. Yeah. She slips into it too. Um, in that scene, mm-hmm. um, where she, I forget where she goes with Aiden and Rowan. They're both like kind of horrified that like she not horrified by Selena, but the fact that it was like so easy for her to go into this like totally different place. And it's, it does feel again, kind of almost like a backslide. I'm sure to them to see like, Holy cow, this, this persona you had to take on. And I actually think there's a really interesting conversation with Adian that she has where he says like the person you were today when she pretends to be Selena. And a few years ago, that person had no joy or love. And she goes, God, I had some, I wasn't a complete monster. And he tells her about how he feels guilty that he, she was, he wasn't there with her and that she had to face all those people alone and that you, you know, didn't trust anyone. That's a big thing with Alan, right? Like not filling people in on her, her plans. And it's just, I like that other people are seeing besides Rowan, the cost of like being Selena um, that it had on her, because it's important to you in a book like this, where Cal is throwing a lot of vitriol at her for those decisions that she had to make as Selena, um, which he was fine with, you know, back in book two when they were banging. Um, But (laughs) uh, so I, I like that other people are recognizing that for her here it's actually in like one of my favorite quotes it's when they like he wakes up after the rescue and they're like looking at each other and they're both so nervous and it's like the cutest thing in the world because like they both we know they love each other but they're like she's gonna hate me he's gonna hate me and then yeah. like they spill everything to each other like they tell every story and all that stuff like it's not on the page but it's like assumed and he says, whatever you had to do to survive, whatever you did from spite or rage or selfishness, I don't give a damn. You're here and you're perfect. You always were and you always will be. And like coming from someone that like was in Terrison and also knows everything. She, like it's different than Rowan saying he accepted her because like he wasn't there. Yeah. But like Adian was and is. And it's like the first time she can probably feel accepted 
as all of her, not just one or two parts. Like, I think he's really the first person that knows everything she's done because it's not like he didn't know rumors of her as an assassin. He just didn't know the two. So he's literally been around her entire life. And he's like, no, this is fine. Like, you're perfect. A little pedestally, but she needed it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she needs that. That's what we talk about Rowan all the time is, you know, because we hear like the the criticisms of Rowan being just like kind of a blank slate, supportive kind of guy. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But the thing is, like, even if even if he was just that, she fucking needs that. Like, she needs that so badly. And, you know, fucking more power to him. She's hard enough on herself. Like, she can have some hype people. Yes. Yeah. That's what I think about um, what I think is perhaps like her like mini journey in this book is like reckoning further reckoning with the idea of being a monster, whether or not she was a monster before, because she like strips that away in Wendland in the last book with Rowan and she like gets down to the core of who she is. But she comes back to this country where there's all these people there who only know her as one thing. And, you know, she starts off at the beginning of this book saying things like for her friends, for her family, she would gladly be a monster for Rowan, for Dorian, for Nehemia. She would debase and degrade and ruin herself. She knew they would have done the same for her. Um, but then she does have that support along the way. One of the things I love a lot, it's very much like you jump, I jump remember from Titanic, like Rowan says to her, if you're a monster, I'm a monster. And, you know, just that support that she really needs is, it's coming up in, in subtle ways here, but then by the end, she's come to a place where, you know, she fights with Manon and, um, basically saves her and thinks about how she's her enemy. Now a monster incarnate, but perhaps the monsters need to look out for each other every now and then. And Taja and I have talked a lot in this podcast about what type of heroines, um, appeal to us. And we don't, tend to love quote unquote softer heroines. We like heroines that don't necessarily shed all their monstrous sides of themselves. They like embrace that. And I love, that's why I love Manon and that's why I love Aelin. And that moment kind of totally encapsulated. It's like respect, like you're a bad bitch. I'm a bad bitch. And like, we're not going to apologize for it anymore. That's like my favorite thing about their fight is both of them are like separately thinking about like, oh, this bitch is bad. Like, I like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man meme. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, they're great. I love it. Yeah, we got two blonde or blondish bitches out there like mm-hmm. fighting Just it out. the shit out of each other and loving every second of it. And they're basically like, you're too good to kill. Like, respect. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to let you go. I love it. I want to talk about Elin's scheming because this yes. is like, everybody at some point just turns and like their jaw drops like it starts with when she starts just not trailing kale but like essentially trashing all his meetings like yeah. she's like hey i'm here and like i don't know if that's scheming but that's hysterical and i laugh every time um the bank stuff yeah everything with the rescue everything with the vaults everything like leading lork into the word hounds so that yes oh my god so yes. funny that didn't work out 100% in her favor, but it was yeah. still a really yeah. good try. Yeah. Oh. And the way she walks away just whistling a jaunty tune while he's getting his ass kicked. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, this is like the first book that really started getting into Aelin's tendency to leave people out of the plans and kind of just do like the surprise. This is what's happening now. Um, 
which, you know, no spoilers, but is going to continue to be a thing as we go on. It's funny, too, because she plants seeds for this book, which is why I can't talk about every scheme. But there's things in this book that come up in the next ones. And it's so much more important on a reread because you're like, yes, I see what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah, I see you, Sarah. I see you, Aylin. Um, What I think is really cool about this book, though, like even though it does kind of feel sometimes disjointed to me, like it actually kind of reminded me of the new Batman movie that came out. (laughs) No Tasia has seen it, but like that was more like street level Batman, like kind of detective Batman who's like solving crimes. And it's like smaller moments that she's working towards in this book. I mean, small, like killing Arabin is not small, but compared and, you know, restoring magic is not small, but it feels smaller compared to like the epic battles that are coming. There's step one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of fun to be, it's like a street level, like exactly what you said, like, you know, weaving through the sewers of Adderlon, like it feels very grounded in a fun way and it allows for a lot more little moments. And I think that might be why like the, the scheming in this book doesn't bother me as much. Maybe sometimes it does later because it's, it's a little less, it doesn't feel as uh, like harmful, like potentially like catastrophic. Some of the things she does, you know? And I think I like after rereading Assassin's Blade, like in kind of understanding better where that scheming tendency is coming from, I'm a little bit more uh, I don't know, accepting of it, I guess. But um, I do. I was thinking earlier today, actually, I was like, man, this is like the last time. Because I mean, Sarah is just so good at building the tension in each book. Like somehow, even though the fucking glass castle shatters, the king is dead, magic is released, all of this shit happens in this book. Like every book just raises the stakes even more um, in a really like natural, good way. But, um, I was just thinking that like, oh, this is the last time we're going to have like our little crew just chilling in Selena's or in Aylin's apartment, just like, you know, getting to go out and do their little sewer treks and then come home and go to bed. Like (laughs) everything we have coming is just, uh, we don't have those like nice little relaxing moments anymore. Everything in that apartment hurts every single thing. There's nothing in that apartment where I'm like, oh, it's like, no, Sam's clothes is here. Like, Arabin unpacked her stuff. The lavender soap. Yes. Um, what else happens? Oh, the blood oath thing with Adian. Yeah. I mean, that was fine. Like, I don't I don't think it was that big of a deal. But, like, that's sad as well. Mm-hmm. Like, every nothing good happens at apartment. That place can burn to the ground as far as I I think it's very telling, too, at the end. She's just, like, they leave. And she's, like, okay, bye. I'm done. Yeah. Um. Well, we talk about Adian and the Blood Oath right now. I do like, I feel bad for him, but it is like fae territorial, like bastard stuff. And she just like lied to him about it, which is yeah. not cool. Brings it up multiple times. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's what gets me is that like, you know, the Blood Oath, I, I don't think it really matters. Like just take the fucking Blood Oath. Like it's not a big deal, but I, I do understand where he's coming from in that fight because like, I, I don't know. I, I guess I just don't blame him for being as upset about it as he was because he brought it up so many times, like, boy, howdy, am I excited to take this blood oath and be the only person that does it? And like, she just doesn't say anything. And then he finds out from Rowan, like in front of, it's just like, what a humiliating, awful feeling that must have been for him. So like he lashed out and I don't really blame him for it. Like, you know, he got more upset than he should have maybe, but, and then (laughs) then the worst thing is like Aelin lashes out for him lashing out. And it's really just kind of her twisting the knife. Instead of trying to like make it better, she just, you know, and that's 
such an it's so in character for her um it's a very alien thing to do like you know you back and don't back baby into a corner because she's got cause but uh yeah it's it must have been really jarring so used to having to like hide himself and then he's finally with people where he can be himself so of course he's not like guarded in his emotions like Mm-hmm. He lashed out. She lashed out. Like, it just kind of is what it is. I do laugh every time where she's like, if you smash one thing in this apartment, I'm going <laughs> to kill you. Like, that's, I mean, it's just funny. Like, I don't, I love Adian in this book so much. I think he is so dedicated. He's exactly what she needs. And he's just he's so good. And he's yeah. adorable. Like, they're I like him in this book too. too. Yeah. Uh, one thing, it's just, you know, probably just a stupid thing that like bothers me for some reason but um Adian uh, thinks about how Aelin was in the city this whole time and like he didn't know she was just right there and they could have been reunited all this time ago but like Aelin knew when Adian was in the city and then her excuse for like not ever reaching out to him or, or confronting him or, or anything is that um she assumed him to be like a loyal servant of the king but like you grew up with him. Like you knew him, but they, you knew each other better than anyone. Why wouldn't you at least, it seems very out of character for Aelin to not at least trail him a couple times just to like, see what's up. And if she had done that, she probably would have seen that he wasn't, but then we wouldn't have this story. So like, I get it, but yeah. it's just one of those like dumb little nitpicky things that it doesn't make sense because he is like the most committed, like, mm-hmm. com- like just maybe too much so sometimes you could argue but like yeah it it doesn't really totally make sense but especially because then she is like no question I'm going to get him I mean but you know she's known at that point that he was really kind of playing this long con but I I hear you she she wanted to get out so bad that she was just like I mean before before air fire realistically she every every time she had the chance to just leave she wanted to yeah. That's yeah. all that's all this like when she we'll just we'll divide it into like child and like queen, I guess. But like all she wanted was to just leave. She wanted to leave with Sam. She wanted to leave with Kale. She spent all this time hiding from from Aelin. So yeah, it does on that level, like on a deeper psychological level, I think it absolutely does make sense. I still think she would have been curious enough to watch him though. Like I've yeah. never really thought of, I think she would have at least like peeked at him. Cause he mm-hmm. like parades his ass through. Like he's not, <laughs> not, subtle, he is not our boy. Shy. <laughs> right. I just, I cannot imagine yeah. an, an Aelin or a Selena that would not follow him a little bit just to see what's going on. Just but you know, and yeah, no, I, I do agree with that, but contact hard now. Yeah. That makes sense. Should we talk about Arabin now? Yes, but I have a confession to you. Yes, confess. Okay, like I said, I read Throne of Glass and it was like me getting back in. So when you Google Throne of Glass series, hmm. Assassin's Blade comes up last. It does in the pictures. You can Google yeah. it. You can fact check me all you want. I read it last. So oh. I, I really thought Arabin was so hot until like probably halfway through the book where I was like oh he's not morally gray he's disgusting yeah because if you have no context yeah sure you know he had Sam killed but I also didn't have any Sam context you know what I mean like I didn't and they describe him as really hot and like that apology also really hot out of context yeah so I was too arrogant until I wasn't 
even with the context, there was a part of me that wanted, like, I don't know, like it's the broken part of me that like wants this to be hot, even though I know Mm -hmm. it's very bad. Tasia, very bad. Put that, put that down. Uh, But yeah, I mean, this tell me what I must do to atone. Tell me to crawl over hot coals, to sleep on a bed of nails, to carve up my flesh, say the word and it is done, but let me care for you as I once did before, before that madness poisoned my heart, punish me, torture me, wreck me, but let me help you do this small thing for me. And let me lay the world at your feet. Excuse you, sir. Like, I mean, but I think this is such a great example of how just magnificently horribly manipulative he is because yeah. out of anyone else's mouth, this would be just a masterclass in an apology. This would be so swoon worthy. This would be just everything. Like this would be the hottest bucket. This would be all of our swoon quote yeah. if he so wasn't good. a fucking monster, but he's a fucking monster. So it's just, I wanted him to be hot too. I'll, I'll say it. Yeah. And I mean, he's described as hot. So yeah. I mean, that's yeah. Yeah. number one, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, I think, um, too, like, I think we all have like that within ourselves unless we're like total sociopaths to want other people to not be total sociopaths. So like you read it and there's like good there. And, you know, he, he did some ostensibly good things for her. You know, it's, she paints a really good picture of this kind of more like insidious type of villain character. And I think it's so much more interesting, maybe even than like the big bad of the series in a mm. lot of ways because it's more personal and it, it, there's so many layers to it. And I think it's so her rumination on what it feels like after he's dead, I feel like is so, so well done by Sarah, you know, to say, you know, it, it feels wrong to still wish that there had been some other way he was going to enslave me to his will, use me to take over Terrace and maybe make himself king, maybe sire my. She shuddered so violently that light shimmered off the gold in her dress. But he also, I also own my life. All this time I thought it would be a relief, a joy to end him, but all I feel is hollow and tired. And it's like, yeah, it makes so much sense. And like the fact that she's still, even knowing everything that he's done, that she still feels betrayed when he fails that last test with the ring. Like yeah. it's, it's sad. It is, and all of this just makes it really good. Like, it's just yeah. really compelling. It's just really, uh, it's just such good conflict. And you, it feels just really authentic that she would have a lot of conflicting feelings about it. And that's why, like, I think it's really good that Lysandra was the one to kill him. Um, because first of all, Lysandra deserved her own revenge on him, but also like to save Aelin from the burden of being the one to murder him. Great point. Um, yeah. Just in... What bugs me though is like, I'm glad, obviously I'm thrilled that he's dead. I just wish it had been more drawn out. Uh, just, I think I just have so many like hateful feelings toward him that I wish that his death was worse. Um, just because I just, I wish that he had known, you know, that he had never had Aelin under control, that, that these two women that he had groomed and been predatory towards and manipulated that they had just been responsible for the crumbling of his entire empire Great point yeah that's true it feels like slightly unsatisfying because yeah that, you know that's true choking to death on his own blood though like pretty yeah. horrific i'm like lissandra you a bad bitch too like yeah love you girl god i love um, her and i do think it's great too like to and i don't ma- say this in a way to like you know w- compare two people's trauma at the hands of an abuser but like to Lysandra, I think it was way more like clear cut. Like he's a capital V villain because mm-hmm. he 
is he doesn't play the same games with her in the same way that he played with Aelin. And it, it's, there's not the same kind of grooming. I don't think it's just, she was always his like sex toy essentially from a young age. And it's, and he used her to like tease Aelin. Right. To like make Aelin jealous. Exactly. I think it's an interesting parallel too, because Wesley essentially like fought Arabit. Like that whole fight happened. And Aelin points out like, Wesley was like the best fighter out of all of us. So like Arabin won, then like who else stands a chance? It's like, well, she did it the other way. She didn't just straight up try to gut him. She ruined him first, took care of herself and an entire army because it's literally one of the quotes is he was richer than kings and emperors. Like he had absurd amount of money. So she took care of everyone else first and then was like, die. Yeah. Like there's no, there's no fight. There's just, you're no longer of any use to me. Die. That's great. You're a tissue. Rest, <laughs> rest in pain, dude. Like, uh, I hate him. Um, he's so fucking gross. Like the way that he, he summoned Lysandra the night that he sent Aelin to Endovia. It's fucking disgusting. Like, uh, yeah. Hate him. Hate him bringing Aelin back into like the cell where they, where she had last seen Sam's defiled and tortured body. Oh no. Just like that subtle manipulation. It's so effective. This does give a great segue into one of my favorite scenes though. Cause he's also disgusting and manipulative and wants Aelin to smell like him. Oh my yes. God. <laughs> yes. King of petty Rowan comes in mm-hmm. and is like, mm, my skin was a little dry, bud. Thanks for the oil. <laughs> <laughs> Love him. So much. People who say Rowan has no personality are wrong. Yeah, they're wrong. Okay. Like my, the literal quote I have for this is uh petty bitch. Rowan is my favorite Rowan. And it, it like, he's so good. At being this is old. prime petty bitch. Rowan. Mm-hmm. He outs everybody. Less so funny. Right. He outs Adian, Lysandra, makes fun of Arabin. There's more. And I just can't even think of it. Yeah. Paige, I died laughing at your note that Rowan is the cereal of this. <laughs> Yeah, spilling tea, spilling tea everywhere. I love it. (laughs) An entire series of videos on TikToks of Rowan spilling tea. I think that was like my first, the first videos I saw of yours. And I was like, oh my God. Yes. (laughs) It's like, it's an In the Heights audio and it's about Rowan. Like there's no better. I have no better content than that. (laughs) It's It's fucking the height. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) good, Good boy is good. I love him. Um, a lot. And I, we can't talk too much about it yet because I'm just going to lose my mind because I think this book is like every moment between them is so charged. I like, we can't, I'll lose my mind if we talk about it yet. Okay, so we're fine. Just gonna let's, save it. let's get done everything else and we'll save that. <laughs> um, I guess just like talk, we talked a little bit about Lysandra already, but like, I love her so much. I, I think it's so heartbreaking to have her like, look at her, you know, relationship with Arabin and like how it basically was better to be someone's pawn than nothing at all. And like from that moment to like becoming friends with Aelin to like her badass snow leopard moment at the end. I just, I love her so much. Um, it's also wild that Aelin was able to let go. You think about it. Every single female in her life was either a nasty bitch to her or lied to her. So like Ansel yeah. and Nehemia, yeah, friends, but liars. Lysandra was horrible. Madame Clarice was horrible. Like any female 
person, which is trash. Yeah. And yet she keeps trying for female companionship. And I think that's huge when usually in books we see like women just tearing down other women. Yeah. And like, you do get that in this book, but you also get that forgiveness and like moving on. And I think that's almost more impactful, honestly. Yeah. That's a great point. Aylin could very much, um, veer in the hands of a lesser writer to like, not like other, not girls, like, other girls, yeah. like, and she doesn't. And I think it's because of these female friendships. And I think that's a really, a really good point that she is still willing to like put herself out there and have these friends. I guess I have to amend, I have to amend that because I guess Elise's mom, like, yeah, Elise's mom and her mom. So she did from one, from age one to age 10. Yeah. You had a couple good ones, but then like everything yeah. else. Yeah. <laughs> and they were maternal figures, not yeah. friend figures. Well, and it says too, doesn't Elise think at one point too about how like she was never friends with Aelin because Aelin thought she was boring, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so like our our girl Aelin's come a long way. Um yeah. but yeah, I just I really like their friendship and how they team up for this comeuppance here. I think before I started this series, I was like asking Corinne, I was like, oh, like, what's the romance? Is there a good romance? Blah, blah, blah. And she was like, yeah, the romance is good. But like, what's what's key here is like the friendships. And it it really is. Even when Lysandra shows up in that carriage in the rain, the banter that they had right away, it doesn't give away that they're going to be friends, but it totally gives away they're going to be friends. You yeah. know what I like mean? Like enemies to lovers. Like it's what mm-hmm. it feels like. It is. That type of banter. Yeah. yeah. It literally, like, one of them's like, I wish you would just get the hell out of my house. Like, mm, that's not a real threat. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Because if that were true, she would have kicked her ass by then. Yeah, she'd be dead. Yeah. Like, child or not. Right. Because <laughs> um, Evangeline was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I like, only know how to say that name because of Princess and the Frog. Fun oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's another great thing about Lysandra, too. Like, how she, you know, takes on more to her debt to save Evangeline. She scars her little beautiful face. Ugh. And Evangeline, so brave. From yeah. Moment number one. She's like, Yeah, I'll get out of the carriage. You got a blueberry tart? Awesome. I mean, <laughs> she did this. Don't hate her. Like, yeah. You're talking to an assassin that up until five minutes ago thought might kill Lysandra. Yeah. Yeah. Bravest little girl. That's so, that's a very good point. Yeah. She's great when she like comes back to like tell them that Lysandra's been captured. Also great. Um, all right. Uh, Manon and Emilied and yeah um first of all I will say on my reread I totally get why people ship this because it's not not there mm-hmm. it's like it's there it's 100% there like the Astra and stuff is there too yeah like well I mean it's always like Sandra and Aelin like <laughs> it's all there yeah it is all there um but I I really like how they like interplay in this book and the, the purpose lead serves to like push Manon towards like the continuation of her arc, like the idea of having hope and how that's not a foolish quest to have. And um, I just, I just really like it. I like it a lot. The, the morass stuff is hard to read. I think all of the like impregnation of the witches and stuff is like horrifying and I don't particularly enjoy rereading it, but I think that their relationship and like the thawing of the monster shell that Manon has been like shaped into is um, really compelling stuff. I, 
I love Manana as a character, but it took me until like, I think like 400 pages in the book to start liking her. And like, I think the witches are so interesting. Like Astrid, she is, I actually like her a bit more than Manana, which is like blasphemy. I know, but I, I love her. <laughs> I love Astrid. So, so, yeah. so much. So like, I found it hard to read the witches storyline. I, I do really like the characters, but like, I don't care about you flying around on your wife. I love your wyvern. I do, but I just don't care because there was no stakes in it. Yeah. The Morath stuff I do. I completely hear you. It is boring. It's just wandering around a castle, but it's know. not fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I don't, don't want to read it. Mm-hmm. And no, every, I, I feel like everything either. is so intentional in her series that like you don't know until you go back and reread, which like definitely makes it on first read, reading the witches stuff. You're like, why, why are they like out here? But then it makes it so exciting. You wait basically two full books for like Manon and Dorian to meet. And you're like, oh, like things are coming. We're, we're interweaving here. And like Manon and Aelin meet. And then it's just like, oh, here we are. Like this was worth 800 pages mm-hmm. because I'm like so excited, like for everyone to, to kind of meet up here. And, um, that part is, is great. It's hard starting this book too, because I mean, we talk about kale backsliding, but nod backslides a little bit too. Um, in terms of like, she had kind of reached a different point in era fire from where she had started and realizing that like maybe this witch stuff is not what I've been led to believe and maybe I'm not this monster and she kind of goes into this book being like nope we're back on monster like this is what we're doing and it takes Astrin and Alid and all of that stuff to like drag her through to the other side but yeah, I mean, my my biggest takeaway of the Manon stuff in this book, besides like Elite and Astrid, is like the Dorian, the Dorian stuff. Um, it's just the way they're they're immediately drawn to like <laughs> Corindo is like oh, I'm very unwell when it comes to Dorian and Manon. But um her coming to see him at the end and just like no words, just checks on him and leaves. It's he's like that's how yeah, I picture he him waves looking. like fucking dork. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, but you're a fucking dork. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and just the the witch killer. He's he the the human is still alive in there or whatever. It's yeah, just, I, I don't know. That. It makes me emotional. It's it's a lot. I think it's funny too because everyone's like the hello princeling is like mm-hmm. everyone else says it literally in book one. One of the first things Selena ever says to Dorian is hello, Princeling. Like literally yeah, before they even got to the glass <laughs> castle, like she says it. Adian says it in the dungeons. He literally says hello, Princeling. But when Manon says it, oh no, that's different. We're yeah. we're in there. We're yeah. in there. Did anyone care when they said it? Nope. I still don't. <laughs> that's erase it. Doesn't matter. When she says it, I'm in. I'm all yeah. in. Please continue. That was when literally that clearing scene, which immediately follows like or precedes the fight with everyone. I was like, I'm now into the witches. It took me until then to yeah. finish it, which I feel sense. bad about, but no, I don't. We, it definitely <laughs> is harder to, to get through, I think, in the first read, but yeah, no, it totally pays off. Here's why, and I, I'll read this now because it is one of my favorite swoon moments, but I've got about seven written <laughs> so let's cross them off the list now. Um, but like, this is why the Hello Princeling with Manon like hits so hard. 
Hello, princeling, she said, her voice bedroom soft and full of glorious death. Hello, witchling, he said, and the words were his own. Like he at that point is like full vague prince. Like he is really struggling at that point to remember anything about who he is and to break free and who brings him back. My girl, Manon, it's so, oh, it's so good. Um, I just love that connection that they kind of like immediately have and the come find me again, Prince, a promise, a promise of death, of release. Come find me again. The word soon faded, swallowed up by spring, by screaming in blood and the demon's cold fingers running over his mind. But the eyes lingered in that name, Manon, Manon. It's just, oh, it's good. Good shit, Sarah. She knows what she's okay. doing. She knows what she's fucking doing. Um. But yeah, I mean, I guess we haven't really talked about Dorian except my mini breakdown that I had at the beginning of the podcast. But like, there's not much to talk. He's a possessed like this whole book. So like, yeah. while I do love him, the only thing we have to say is it's sad. Yeah, like real, it's heartbreaking. Real bummer. Yeah, it's really sad. However, I, as Tasia said, like the friendships are really what speak to me here, and I have super super soft like friendship triangle feelings for Dorian, Kale, and Aelin. Like it just any moments between them, like the moments we get with them at the end of this book where they're just like sitting together, like just really like make me want to cry. Um, but I, I particularly love like the idea of how Dorian and Aelin are like two twins on this journey together. And when they're like empowered together, like holding hands and just like wrecking havoc at the end. It's so great for so many reasons, but like the number one reason at that point is because Dorian gets free of the black prince. And it's just, it like, it, it just is stunning. I'm like, those, those are my babies. I love them so much. Um, it's just, it's so good. And then like the several moments that we get, um, with Aelin and Dorian at the end where he's like, how, you know, how do we, you know, come back from this? And, you know, she says, Dorian, we get to come back from this loss, from this darkness, we get to come back. And I came back for you. Like, that's so incredible. You know, you, you know, you both came back. He says, you pulled me out of Endovia. I figured I could return the favor. Like, it's just, uh, it's just so special. And that's like, for me, at the end of the day, it's what I think about the most. And I just, I was like very inarticulate because I'm like melting down. I like love them so much. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I think it's so important too, because it formed very fast, mm-hmm. but like, it's still so important. Like they all changed together. Yeah. And up to this point, they're all, all of their eyes are open at this point. And it's the first time because there's, I'm not going to say there's no secrets, but there basically is like no secrets between them anymore. Like they all know what each other knows minus some schemes, but like, that's not like, I mean, the important stuff, like they all know who each other are and like the trust is reestablished. And I think that's so, so important. Yeah. And this friendship is like just what this whole series hinges on. Like it's, it's what everything revolves around these three and it's just all. Yeah. I'm, I'm completely there. Like every, all of their moments with the three of them, just like ha- coming to understandings or like going to each other for comfort yeah. or going to each other for like power. It's just it's good stuff. I just want to read this quote really quick too, because this, um, the end of it reminded me of Crescent City. Sarah sometimes does repeat phrases throughout like her series, but I don't care because they all like 
or a knife to my heart. Um, this is Dorian saying to Aelin, what do I do now? They were gone. The woman he loved and the man he'd hated. He met her stare, no calculation, no coldness, no pity in those turquoise eyes, just unflinching honesty as there had been from the very start with her. What do I do? She had to swallow before she said, you light up the darkness. <laughs> like, ah, kill me now. How am I going to make it through three more of these books on this podcast? I just, I don't know. Like, I'm it's going to get worse. That. It's going to get worse. Um, anyway. I think really the last person we need to talk about is Caltaine, um, who we did not talk about yet, but man, um, what a well-plotted journey from Sarah, because it's like shocking and heart-wrenching and you would never think reading book one that you would feel that way about Caltaine, but here we are. That girl has never been allowed to have her own thoughts. She has literally been controlled, like by like family and power growing up and it made her kind of vapid and also had a drug addiction literally yeah so like that also your thoughts are not your own so like not only you're controlled by your family and whatever you are controlled by the substance and now you are controlled by duke i never remember how to say his name yeah but like yes thank you like horrible it's never had her own thoughts and it's, it's so upsetting too, because one of the things I realized on this read too is like so many people, and we do see some other people who are possessed by the vague, like kind of fight back a little bit towards the end, but I was really struck by the parallel of both her and Dorian fighting back and how, given that she was like in training to be queen, it's just so kind of bittersweet because maybe under different circumstances, she could have been a good queen. Like they had the same, like ability to fight and Mm -hmm. she uh ultimately sacrifices herself like to to continue um this quest for a better world and that's very that's queen shit it's queen shit yeah dorian was just as vapid as her anyway yeah yeah exactly um and in, in normal circumstances like if this were any other story and we're looking at this like vapid courtier type of person and they just end up sacrificing themselves and dying to like quote unquote prove their worth their worthiness as a person it would upset me but here it absolutely doesn't because i don't really think that's exactly what's happening um just yeah i think under different circumstances she and dorian would have been an extremely well-matched couple just in terms of like uh strength of character and i really i just really like um this Aelin, she thinks, and for a moment, she wondered how another young woman's life would have been different if she had stopped to talk to her, really talked to Caltaine Rompier instead of dismissing her as a vapid courtier. What would have happened if Nehemia had tried to see Caltaine's mask too? And I really like that thread about female friendships and not judging other women by the way that they perform their femininity or their gender. Um, like Aelin herself is a really great example of a woman who like loves the luxury and the frills and being beautiful, but she never dismisses herself for those things. And yet she did have kind of a history of dismissing other women for those things like Caltea and Lysandra. Um, but she, she gets better and she grows up and she kind of realizes like, I just, I just really like that Caltea isn't ever just that vapid courtier like even though she she gets tortured and all these things and it's not really about her being punished it's about her kind of taking back that power because she gets infected with this demon and a word key carved into her body and she fucking takes the 
castle down basically. And she overthrow the only person like the, everybody looks at her like she's this vapid whatever she's literally the only person who without help overthrew destroyed the valg prince that was possessing her completely destroyed him and could use his and her power so yeah i don't know i just i really like that i, I like that she kind of took that power back and used it to fuck shit up on her way out Pour one out for Caltane, man. What a, what a, what a journey. Um, any other big thoughts before we get into superlatives? I feel like uh, Swoon today is just gonna like let's talk a lot about Ronan <laughs> Aylin. Like so, like three hours later. As long as we look, as long as we talk about it, because we didn't talk yeah. about it nearly enough. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, well, why don't we jump right into superlatives and we'll switch up the order of things, unless anyone else has any additional, um thoughts here uh we'll dive into spoilers and we'll do swoon first because we'll just like talk about Rowan and ailing because like i said i have a lot of feelings capital yeah. of feelings in this book i did want to toss out uh you know the the smallest barest of representation but like shout out to bisexual adian who shows his first hints here um and have a little bit of a crush on rowan um yeah i mean during the club i be right <laughs> everyone, everyone. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, yes, it is frustrating. That is like the only like snippet of, um, any sort of queer content we get in this series. However, um, I like to dream. So it's, it's, it's nice. In my mind, everybody is making out with everybody. And every book there on the page with like multiple same sex couples here, Sarah, like you, you, you did things, uh, you could have done it. You could have done it. You could have gotten there. Um, all right, let's, uh, just talk generally about, uh, Ronan Nail and then we'll read some specific swoon worthy quotes that we all might have written down because I just like, (laughs) first of all, let's talk about the reunion because it's like (gasps) one of my favorite things. Mm -hmm in this series it is my favorite scene up to this point like yeah. moving on i have i think maybe two that are top it maybe two okay um but it was by far like i forget exactly how to describe it but like she let on exhale and it's basically a whimper like she missed him so much and he can say that he didn't miss her but like that embrace oh yeah i knew you were lying he yeah. picks her one. up like come on step one i knew you were lying and I love at the end too, like Nesrin's like, who's that? And Adian's just like Rowan. <laughs> it's just like a knowing moment. It's beautiful. Sarah writes these reunions really well. Um, there's another fabulous one in the third Akatar book when Feyre comes back to uh, the night court after being in spring, where she also like whimpers and just like rushes to Reese. Like she does these moments really well, but like, yeah. you know, I think. It, it, especially after, as you said, Allie, like 200 pages, you're like, where, where, um, Rowan having absolutely zero chill around her. This entire book is chef's kiss. Like he, our boys, um, horns up and he, <laughs> he can't handle it. You are old enough. Just say it. Just say it. Yeah. Why are we, what is the angst? This God's damn nightgown. Oh my- grow up 
go get over it. Like, I, I live for the angst. I do. And I honestly wouldn't want it any other way, but these are just my internal monologue the whole time. Like just say you miss her, which he does eventually, which yeah. is also like really, really sweet. Cause he's like, it's like this whole life changing thing. He's like, well, I did miss you. Yeah. That is the bare minimum. And I still melt every time. I know. It really <laughs> is. <laughs> bare minimum. I missed your presence. I'm like, oh, right Uh, crumbs please uh like rowan taking the equivalent of a cold shower it's excellent all the nightgown stuff it's excellent the um that someday i want i want to see you wear this like you're pretending like you can keep this platonic and you're like staring wistfully at a dress of hers hoping one day to see her in it like that's and adian when she does wear it adian's like Boy, <laughs> <laughs> clear the apartment, everyone. <laughs> right? And I, I love Aelin giving him the lavender soap that she always like yelled at Sam for using. It's really good. Oh, all the Sam stuff, it, it kills me in this yeah. book. And he's so respectful of it. Like, so respectful. at one point, she like is like trying to give him the clothes, I think. And he's yeah. like, You don't have to do that. Like, I and they go to the yeah. the grave that yeah. I will cry I will yeah. cry and he's like it's just so nice how they don't have to explain like he's like I know and like he puts his little the pebble on there mm-hmm. too yeah it's so oh and he has like his own words for Sam it's too much I love um he brushed away a tear that escaped her then an alien gazed at the fate prince who held her at her friend who had traveled through darkness and despair and ice and fire with her like I just think the way that Sarah she fucking excels at writing romantic couples that are friends, like just this strong, strong foundation of friendship that I think is so important and so underrepresented in like big romantic fantasies or just romance in general, um, that, that focuses on the romance and, but these, the fucking friendship, man, it's, it's so important. I love it so much. Yeah. The roof scene just hurts. Yeah. Don't touch me like that. And like, we know he doesn't mean it, but then they go, on into this she has to slip into selena again and he like they're in the cell he's like i can't get to her like just like the internal panic that Mm -hmm. like as a reader i felt so hard i like she flinches away from his touch it's yeah it's like it's brutal stuff but i think she like is to your point tasia walks the line like in a very natural way here like from friendship to more and like they you know, both have their reasons Rowan more so as to like why he's avoiding this. Um, but it like it, it's a great slow build, I think, and, and in a very natural way while still maintaining a lot of tension. And then like, we, you know, we just get the one kiss at the end and um, it's great. Like I, I, you know, have been critical on this podcast when like we covered Akatar and stuff like sometimes how Sarah writes like explicit sex anyway. Um, and, and I think part of that frustration comes from how well she writes this type of stuff. I have one kiss in this book and I'm like rending garments. I'm like, <laughs> is this the, I'm, I have to admit, I'm a horrible person. Didn't finish my reread, but she tried to know. But isn't this the one where either Kale or Dorian or it could be Nezra and say, somebody at the end opens the door and she's like in his arms and then like a gust of wind, like closes the door in their face. And like, that's like the stupid stuff that I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, I think he was Adian. Yeah, I think it was Adian. But yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, (laughs) I think everyone else. Yeah, it was Arabin. 
That boy's already dead. (laughs) But like, yeah, it's just like she just builds that tension really well. But I'm just like, I too want the nightgown to come out. Mm -hmm. I want all of these things. They're like in that bed. I'm like, come on. Well, like when it comes down to it, I think a lot of the times pining is sexier than like actual sexual content. Um, yeah. So it's, it's good stuff. Uh, I like it. And we're just on the upswing (laughs) with that. So, um, do we want to just jump to swoons? Yeah. Let's jump to swoons. Um, Allie, do you want to read any of the many I have written down here? Why don't you, if you want to pick a favorite out of those, um, the thing is I went to add mine and most of them were already there, but I I know this is the problem. I have it on Kindle. There's actually one. It's not so swoon, but it's swoon and funny at the same time. So you read your first one. I will find Um, this is the follow-up to the roof scene, I guess, where, um, he, he basically, this is his mea culpa because previously he'd said he did not miss her. I missed you. He said quietly, his gaze starting between her mouth and her eyes. When I was in Wendlin, I lied when I said I didn't. From the moment you left, I missed you so much. I went out of my mind. I was glad for the excuse to track Lorcan here just to see you again. And tonight when he had that knife at your throat, the warmth of his callous finger bloomed through her as he traced a path over the cut on her neck. I kept thinking that you might never know that I missed you with only an ocean between us, but if it was death separating us, I would find you. I don't care how many rules it would break. Even if I had to get all three keys myself and open a gate, I would find you again. Always. It's good shit. <laughs> uh... This is something I want to make. Maybe I'll make it tonight. But like, you know, it's like, it's always, what are you doing? And not, and then they'll they'll abbreviate everything. I don't know how long it would take me to abbreviate that quote, but I'm going to do it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good one. It it has similar energy to like my favorite Kaz Brecker quote, like, and I would find you like, nice drum pistols. Oh yeah, nice drum pistols blazing. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah, exactly. It always reminds me of like the Mr. Darcy moment of Pride and Prejudice, which is one of my favorite books ever. Mm. Uh, like that final confession yeah yeah okay. all right Allie did you find your one I did so it's when Aelin tricks Lorcan into doing like her dirty work right and <laughs> he basically said he says such a big mouth for someone without her fire tricks and she says such a big mouth for someone who needs to mind his surroundings Rowan's knife was angled along Lorcan's throat before he could so much as blink <laughs> He did not plan. Well, she planned for him to be there, but he didn't plan to be there. And then she says she'd been wondering how long it would take him to find her. Like, it's just such a swoon moment because they're so in tune that, like, she can just do that. She's like, no, I know he's got my back. Yeah. Like, are you crazy? Have the confidence like, oh, to was, know he'll be there. He was right behind me. And that's just, oh. Good that's just, it's another one of those, like, it's more of a squeal than a swoon moment. It's yeah. one of those we love those two. Those are appropriate in the student section. Oh, Full show. Yeah, that's one of my favorites for sure. Uh, Tasia, do you have one? All right. I have a few as well. Um, he seemed to struggle for words, but he finally breathed. Show me, show me how you did that. And that's after she sat and played the, uh, the piano for him. And that's it was nice. just a very nice moment. He sits down and she like teaches him and stuff. It's, it's good. Yeah. I like that too. Um, I'm going to read this one, which kind of is akin to what Allie was saying, like the like moments. <laughs> this is like cheesy, but I love it. I don't care. His heartbeat thundered in his ears. If he moved an inch, he'd be on her, would take her in his arms and begin learning just what made the air of fire really burn. 
<laughs> it's like, I see you, Rowan. It's very funny. All right, Tasha. Um, okay, so this is Aylin at Sam's grave. She says, I miss you. She said, every day I miss you. And I wonder what you would have made of all of this, made of me. I think, I think you would have made a, been a wonderful king. I think you would have liked, they would have liked you more than me, actually. Her throat tightened. I never told you how I felt, but I loved you. And I think a part of me might always love you. Maybe you were my mate and I'll, excuse me. Maybe you were my mate and I never knew it. Maybe I'll spend the rest of my life wondering about that. Maybe I'll see you again in the afterworld and then I'll know for sure. But until then, until then I'll miss you and I'll wish you were here. And like, I know that obviously this ship did not work out and like I'm a thousand and ten percent behind Rowalyn as a ship. Um, but I I just think it's really beautiful. It's a really nice like moment of closure for her. And I think Rowan being there is equally swoony, which kind of leads into my next one. I'll just do it now since it's kind of a part of this. Um, I know who he was to you, Rowan said softly and held out his hand, not to take hers, but for a stone. She opened her fists and he sorted through the pebbles until he found one, smooth and round, the size of a hummingbird's egg. With a gentleness that cracked her heart, he set it on the headstone beside her own pebbles. And I just have like time to cry written down because like that's like he is, like Ali said, he's so respectful of the relationship with Sam, just like she's respectful of of his relationship with Lyria and how neither of them like is trying to step on any toes or like diminish their past relationships with each other or, or each other's past relationships. It's just, it's really mature and really lovely. And I love to see that. Don't worry. I found another one. I'm surprised. Oh, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised neither of you grabbed it either. Um, but it's the, it's my favorite quote in the whole book. I don't know. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Make me want to live, grow and not oh, yeah. survive, not exist, live. Yes. Like, real good just literally drop the book like okay it's so good and it comes (laughs) on the heels of ruin being like after all she's been through like to see that smile and know it was directed at him is like (laughs) so good um i love it all right i have one that's like horny and i was like reading this i'm like this is so hot and like the first time you read this book like the biting like fang stuff is like kind of weird because i'm like what is happening here but like weird. i read enough vampire <laughs> fanfic yeah enough. i know that's, that's it's, it's hot it's totally hot it's always hot it is. Yep. um <laughs> i just wasn't expecting it coming from ektar where the fae do not have canines that bite people yeah. i was just caught off guard okay Um, she arched her neck further a silent invitation rowan left out left out a soft groaning grazed his teeth against her skin one bite one movement was was all it would take for him to rip out her throat his elongated canine slid along her flesh gently precisely she clenched the sheets to keep from running her fingers down his bare back and drawing him closer he braced one hand beside her head his fingers twinning in her hair no one else, she whispered. I would never allow anyone else at my throat. Showing him he was the only showing him was the only way he'd understand that trust in a manner that only the predatory fae side of him would comprehend. No one else, she said again. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> the restraint is so high. Like the touching but not touching. It's- yeah, it's so good. Uh, anyway, that's all I have for Swoon Tasha. You have um well a friendship swoon. We love I have a friendship, friendship swoon. swoon. Let's let's yeah. <laughs> And on a wholesome note, after that, <laughs> I'm like literally rolling up my sleeves. I'm like on fire. <laughs> All right. I've come to value the people in my life more. Evangeline is lucky, lucky to have you. I wasn't just talking about her, like Sandra said, and she chewed on her full lip. You, I'm grateful for you. Love it. 
Beautiful, beautiful. So wholesome. Is that the one? I know I have it. Hold on. I have it highlighted right here. There's also one point. Aelin, it is. It's at the end. So Aelin gives her a small box from her pocket. Aelin says, there's one more task. You'll probably hate me for it later, but you can start by saying yes. So Lysander says, proposing to me? How unexpected. <laughs> and it's, um, I won't read the rest of it, but it's essentially when um, she gives her her own like territory in Terrison. Yeah. Um, and it's like, she's now like the lady of, she's the lady of whatever she names it. Yeah. Yeah, true. yeah. Lysandria. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. They like that they joke about it. <laughs> I, I, I was pretty sure it's the next book where she does that. So we'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's, we'll wait for that. Yeah, it's just it's just so like that's another one. That definitely yeah. could happen. Yeah. Absolutely. Happen. Oh, yeah. Especially because Lysandra's like, oh, your cousin's so hot, but he looks just like you. It would be like kissing you. And I'm like, bitch, you know this but means you that you want to make out with fucking Aelin. Everyone wants to make out with Aelin. You know what? We're all, we're all in line. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Favorite character in arc. Um, Allie, I want you to read yours because I like Yeah, because mine's <laughs> awesome. So my favorite card, my favorite character arc is Arabin's because he goes from alive to fucking dead. And that's where he belongs. <laughs> Best arc of the series almost for me. God, he, and I was so mad at myself specifically too because like I explained, I was into it. And then I was like, mm-hmm. oh no. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. No. So there's extra vindictiveness in that one for me. A whole journey there. A whole journey. Yeah. Um, favorite character? Look, it's Aelin every time. Yeah. Every always. single time. But if it's not, I think Alid, just because like it's one of those stories you don't hear often. Alid yeah. is the person that gets overlooked everywhere. Um, she's been overlooked literally her entire life by everyone. And it's like a shining moment of like, just because I got overlooked does not mean I'm down and out where most people would be like yeah. her, her battle is a different one and a quieter one. Um, and yet she still manages to be super interesting. Yeah. Every time she's like looking around scavenging, she's like, I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to find Aelin. I love that Manon kind of notes that, that Elite kind of pretends to be like, oh, I'm just meek in the corner, but like, she's really like scheming or she's trying to like, you know, move pieces around. Yeah. And that's why I think it would have been a good foundation for that ship too. Like the one person who sees you Mm -hmm. for like who you are is always like a good foundation. Um, My favorite character I originally, well, this is what I've written right now is I can't choose. You can't make me, but as we've been talking, I have chosen, um, and you did make me, (laughs) um, um, I really love Rowan in this book for some of the reasons that we talked about. Like, I think it's a good injection of his personality more so than we get in air fire where he's like very broody. Um, and so I really love that. I want to also shout out Aster in here because we get her heartbreaking backstory here. And that ties into my favorite arc, which is Manon's. I think that um, where she leaves off at Arafire like does feel like she's made progress, but like she does kill the other witch at the end. And what I love is like by the end of this book, she realizes like she doesn't feel quite right. She and she's pushing that down, pushing it down. Then she realizes it's regret, and she's never felt that before. And I think that's just like a huge step on this one hundred plus year old immortal being's journey, who's like been trained into this like heartless killer to like learn about regret and learn about hope. And I think that that is giving her the words to express some of the things she started to feel in air fire. Like, and she's learning that through Aster and she's learning it through a lead 
and it's, it's manifesting itself in doing things like letting Aelin know Dorian's alive and like coming to check on Dorian. And it's, it's really a slow burn her arc across the series, but we're really cooking now. I think. Yeah. Asia. Retweet. Oh. That's, <laughs> that's yeah. Oh, thank I you. agree. Every word. <laughs> um, and then the favorite character for me is maybe Lysandra. Uh, also Dorian is another, I mean, Aelin is like a series yeah. favorite. So is Dorian. I've just got, the softest spot for Dorian. So even though yeah. he spends 90% of this book as a fucking demon, I, know, I, I still know. love him. I'm still trash. I still love him so much. <laughs> I love him more now because now he's a little dark and uh, that's always something I'm going to be into. So 100%. All right. Favorite quotes. Uh, la, 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 la. Allie, would you like to go first? This one is like super vindictive, but I kind of like it. Um, cause it's the first time I see Aelin like stick up for her being a queen and it's, you bring my court into this kale. Aelin said with leather, with lethal softness. And I don't care what you were to me or what you've done to help me. You betray them. You hurt them. And I don't care how long it takes or how far you go. I'll burn you and your God's name kingdom to ash. And then you'll learn just how much of a monster I can be. Yeah. And it's Ella. really like, she is like, as kale is saying this stuff to her, she's like doubting, doubting, doubting. And at this point, she just snapped. She's like, you know what? Say what you want about me, but fuck with them. I dare you. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's a great one. Um, I'm going to go next because I have way too many written down. Um, <laughs> this is humor made me laugh. This is when Rowan shows up. He's got short hair. And I think that's probably why he also might be my favorite character in this book because I like short hair Rowan over long hair Rowan. <laughs> Aelin. She's such a little shit. I love her. Hush, your hair was so pretty. I was hoping you'd let me braid it one day. I suppose I'll have to pie a pony instead. She cocked her head. When you shift, will your hawk form be plucked then? <laughs> I love that so much. She is such a brat. She really is. It. She really is. Um, okay, Tasha. When you shadow the chains of this world and forge the next, remember that art is as vital as food to a kingdom. Without it, a kingdom is nothing and will be forgotten by time. I have amassed enough money in my miserable life to not need any more. So you will understand me clearly when I say that wherever you set your throne, no matter how long it takes, I will come to you and I will bring music and dancing. I love it. I love that too. And it's so funny because my next quote is like, from the same vibe yeah. <laughs> um says behind them across the hall the dancers shattered the roses on the floor and adian grinned at his queen as the entire world went to hell and it's just like one of those quotes that just gives me chills i'm like yes it's going through <laughs> love a reunion yeah we do we do love a reunion so good um i'm gonna read these two together because i think they're of a of a piece um this is Kale and Aelin when they're finally moving in the right direction. We do not look back, Kale. It helps no one and nothing to look back. We can only go on. There she was, that queen looking out at him, a hint of the ruler she was becoming, and it knocked the breath out of him because it made him feel so strangely young when she now seems so old. What if we go on, he said, only to more pain and despair? What if we go on only to find a horrible wait- a horrible end waiting for us? Aelin looked northward as if she could see all the way to Terrison. Then it is not the end. And then at the end, we've got the three of them, Dorian, Aelin, and Kale sitting together. And Dorian said, so here we are, the end of the road, Aelin said with half a smile. No, Kale said, his own smile faint, tentative, the beginning of the next. And I just <laughs> love that like full circle moment for the three of them. It just, 
I'm not going to cry about them again here today. I'll save those for future episodes. Um, <laughs> Tasia. She was fire and light and ash and embers. She was ale and fire heart, and she bowed for no one and nothing, save the crown that was hers by blood and survival and triumph. Yeah. Good shit. Good shit. Allie, you have one more? This one was just super, when you read it, it's so interesting. It's, um, she felt it one night years ago. It had given a young killer the money to get the hell out of this continent. She felt the tug and decided to tug back. Here it was again, that tug toward Manon, whose arms buckled as she collapsed on the stone. Yeah. Yeah. That one almost made mine too. It's good fucking scene. Yeah. It's very good. Um, I just have one last little one here. Um, this is when Dorian and Aelin are saying goodbye at the end. And it's you know very sad and fraught, but he, she goes send me any good books that you read. And he goes, only if you do the same. And I just, I love my little babies. I love to read and swap books. Um, it's good. Good stuff. They're so cute. Um, all right. We are going to dive now into a brief spoiler section because this has been very long, but I do want to talk about some spoilery things for the rest of the series and also for some other Sarah J. Mass properties. So um, if you are not up to date, turn back now. Um, and once you catch up on a bunch of other things, uh, come back to this part <laughs> of the podcast. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. Um, again, like bro and Aylin, your mates, friends, like, you're very clearly mates. That, though, I'm telling you, I had no spoilers for the series that shook me to my core. Yeah. To my core. I was like, <gasps> the little hints for it, like Terrison smelling like, like snow and, uh, and pine, like Rowan does. And like when he first sees Terrison at the end of the book and he's like, oh, I feel like I've been searching for this place for, uh, my whole life or whatever. It's, it's good. It's the, the groundwork is laid. So just like perfectly. Um, Rowan thought he knew fear. He had thought he could face any danger with a clear head and ice in his veins until Lorcan appeared from the shadow so fast that Rowan hadn't even scented him and put that knife against Aelin's throat. It's like, dude, <laughs> figure it out. Figure it out. Figure and then, out. and the big moment in this series is where he like takes the arrow um, that's meant for Aelin. And that's when, in retrospect, we find out he realizes mm-hmm. um, what, what the deal was. So we should talk about your um, theory, your your uh, Dorian Crescent City oh, yeah, old thing. Before we get to that, uh, what was, were you guys saying about the pits? Oh, yeah. So again, as someone who's stupid oh, yeah. and didn't read Assassin's Blade, um, I had no idea who Ansel was. So like Ansel Bradcliffe. I'm like, cool. Awesome name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nope. And it's yes. so funny, like how far it makes it. Yeah. I love, that's why I love books like this, where there's so many little things like, like seeded in from like the very beginning. And you see that when she's in the fire um, fighting pits and she's dyed her hair red and she's going around saying Ansel Briarcliff, like she's intentionally setting these things up so that Ansel will respond and come to her aid. It's just, it's all really well done. I love that early seating. And when she gives Lorcan the fake. Yes. Lurkey, yeah. I almost said it. And I felt, I was like, Whoa. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've added in multiple spoilers. Oh, don't worry. You would have yeah. been fine. But yeah, no, I, there, yeah. And then leaving that quote you just read too, Allie, like, um, we're going to soon, soon, uh, re-meet Irene, um, in a couple of episodes when we do Tower of Dawn, but it's delicious. I love it. Um, those are really only my, like, my only, like, throw no glass, like, long game spoiler thoughts. I mean, yeah, we're getting some good groundwork for Minorian here. I can't wait for Lead and Lorcan. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Um, I was like trying to remember where the book ended because I was like, she doesn't meet him yet. We don't know yet. They don't even know. Yeah, they don't even have know. no idea. They I kept thinking no too because, like, you know, you read these when you read them the first time. You're reading them as such a clip that, like, they all kind of blend together. So I kept thinking, like, okay, the end of this one. Uh, Lorcan sees a lead, like you know, tromping through the forest and starts following her. But nope, that hasn't happened yet. So nope. I was pretty spoiler spoiled on ships going into this series. Like I yeah, knew Rowan, I knew Minorian. Um, I don't think that I knew Lead and Lorcan. So I think part of why I love it so much was such a fun surprise because you read this book and you're like, I would never put these two together, but um, it's it's gonna be great. Oh, something else we didn't talk about too. Um, that weird grave that's under that opium sellers thing. Oh yeah, um, like the bones and stuff that are down there and it's all about lies and like old gods and like all of that. And like that eventually ends up. It's so funny how the plot comes secondary to the relationships in my brain. Um, yeah. yeah. We literally didn't even touch on that, but it eventually ends up being like how they figure out they did not actually defeat Erewhon. Yeah. He's just sleeping. And now dude's awake. <laughs> Fully yeah. awake. Yeah. No, definitely. I, I know. I always forget like the plotty things here. It goes over my head still. And I know for feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I'm totally here for feelings. Um, so I think then do we want to talk more about like our wider SJM canon thoughts here mm-hmm. because, okay. Yeah. My theory, my crazy theory in the last episode, Ali was like, I was trying to think how we can potentially and I'm just going to say this again here loud and clear. If you're not Red Crescent City, you turn back now, friends, like come back. Um, but I've been trying to think like, okay, how can Throne of Glass come in to the Crescent City universe? And I think even before I really thought about this, Tasia and I talked about this in our Crescent City episode, like I think the character who is least resolved at the end of Throne of Glass for me is Dorian because he's gone through so much and his whole kingdom needs to be rebuilt and he has this darkness within him. Um, I think the fact that he's been possessed by a Valg is very important and can obviously easily tie in to what's going on with the Asterian Crescent City. But what I noticed in Era of Fire, and I think we see even more of here, is this idea of Cal being king of Adderlon. It comes up like multiple times in Era of Fire. Um, he says to Sorsha, Kyle says to Sorsha, like, oh, we could use a healer as the queen of Adderlon. And who does he marry but a healer? And in this book, Aelin tells him that, like, he should make himself king when Dorian, they think, is lost forever to the Valg. So I just think, like, you know, yes, Dorian is the king of Adderlon at the end of the series. But I think there's a very good viable alternative in Cal to, like, man the fort in Adderlon as its king or Keaton region or something like that. Because that kind of thing is like 
what kale wants like that's what kale excels at i sorry <laughs> luna she's awake from her nap um, <laughs> she liked my theory yes she does she's sharing it on um yeah. And I also think, um, another person who feels kind of like almost at loose ends is Manon at the end of the series. And she and Dorian, like, you know, kind of come as a pair. And if the Asteri are indeed like somehow connected to the Val or of, of the same species, um, Manon is descended from them and she has those golden eyes that makes them, uh, kind of bow to her. Like she is like Val royalty. So I don't know. I feel like there's, I feel like there's a lot to your theory. And I like it. Like it's partially driven by my unhinged obsession with Dorian that I just want more. <laughs> like, but I've always kind of thought that like if she's ever gonna write more in the world, it could be Dorian and Manon because they are left the least settled, I feel. So I don't know. Give me what I want, Sarah. Yeah. Um, but Ali, I'm interested in your theories. So I've never heard the Kale's King theory. So when I first read in the notes, I was like, what? But, like, as you say it, I'm like, no, all right, cool. Yeah, I'm about that. Um, my crackpot theory, though, involving the Asteri is I didn't think they were Valg. I thought they're fucking pissed at Aelin because the gods were trapped there because they couldn't figure out a way to harness that type of phase power. Um, so that's why they got stuck. And, like, the word stones were the things that they finally found to harness the power, kind of like the Asteri used the drop. So mm-hmm. like the it's gates, it's literally gates. So like it's the same thing as Crescent City, like the word gates. So when that was broken, they had no way to feed, mm-hmm. which is why gods like maybe the bone guy, because they don't like that's not they found like a god's name that wasn't a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. I wish I had more details on this, but it that god's like not real. I think the gods honestly were end up like dying off because without the word stones, they could not actually feed off of any power and then they got stuck there and they were like you know what f you guys i don't even want your power i want to go somewhere else like i don't want to be here anymore and i think because aelin literally opened to hell literally to kill those gods she opened the gates to hell yeah like Aeneas's dimension yeah and that's what actually killed those gods so i think those gods were the asteri that they lost contact with and eventually found out that died and they actually want to go to Throne of Glass World and fuck her up for killing their brothers and sisters. Damn. Do it. I, would, I would just need to say right now, if if Aelin shows up in Crescent City, I forget Resand. I will like literally <laughs> die. <laughs> they will be too much for me. Cause of death, mass destruction. <laughs> <laughs> I there's crying, puking, all of it. Just, yeah. Yeah. I had two theories about Resan's last name. Originally, I thought it was Moonbeam because they can do like he can do the jumping thing. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, that's kind of oh. funny. But it also could be Starborn because he looks like um Rune. Yeah. So if Rune is like descendant from actual Starborn people. Yeah. Because like both of those are kind of silly. And yeah. I think it was like Sarah's like. Yeah, yeah exactly. I remember that somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So. It's in their bonus chapter for um, Silver Flames, uh, where he like gives her a look about his last name. Um, yeah, no, I I love that. There's just there's so there's so much possibility here. I still kind of think like and we've talked about this on this podcast. Like 
would it be so unwieldy for her to like bring all three universes together, especially when Throne of Glass is done? Probably. And like, I think we might get Easter eggs from Throne of Glass. And I'm still just, I keep telling myself, we're just going to get little Throne of Glass Easter eggs and that will have to satisfy me. And so I keep my expectations low. (laughs) Right. I have a list of unresolved things like Vaughn, where you at, bro? Where are you at? Where did you end up? What's going on? Her not reuniting with Knox? Criminal. I got to see his Lysandra, like, fake reunion and not actual Aelin. Pissed. Yeah. I have literally a list of things that SJM owes me, particularly. (laughs) Okay, yeah, in this series, absolutely. I I even, I think I have a note here in my... Yeah, I was, uh, I put, I guess I really wish that something more would have come from a Leeds, from a Leeds witch ancestry reveal, because really what it's used for is to get Manon, like her and Manon connected. Um, but it's just kind of what, uh, another example and like a list of things that SGM sets up in these books that doesn't really pay off. Like the owl that is a fae person that's like, just always in their form and always with Maeve, like what happens to like, I feel like there were a bunch of things that were like thrown up. And not everything was knocked down. And so yeah. I think it would be a, a cool opportunity to like knock some of these like dangling threads. Like none of these dang, none of these dangling threads are like dire or super important, but they are right. things that like I would love to see paid off at some point. Yeah. I forget. I feel really bad because I saw it on TikTok. This is not an or- original theory, but multiple people have pointed out um, like feline like presences in libraries. So there was one in Akatar. I think Gwen notices a feline presence when it, she's in the library, or maybe Nesta. Feels like it was Nesta. Yeah. And then I think it's Tower of Dawn. There's like a the cat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it could be like Adius. And I don't, I think that was all I saw on TikTok. And then I put in, I was talking to Kat and I was like, well, what if all the great libraries are where the rifts are found? Because, like, Braxis, like, could be protecting the rift. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Mind like, blown. Yeah. I love it. So, I, like, that would be cool. Especially because, like, we're, we love books. So, like, yeah. yeah. Put that shit yeah. in the library, Yeah. Please. That makes and, like, so much They sense. have the great library on the southern continent. Like, there's, and, like, it's not, Terrison had a great library. No one ever really says anything about, like, is it Ardalene? Is that how you say it? Is it Adderlin or Adderlin? Sure, yeah. that works. Um, <laughs> no one ever like. I know we're in the library and not a lot, but no one ever calls it like the great library. Right? You know what I mean? Like it's not a big like. Harrison had one. Yeah, that's a fabulous point. I, I love that point too when it comes to Gwen because I think she is going to have a big role to play because Gwen literally means light, and that's like the name of the sword. And like, she has, I think, a lot of you know, the light singing powers, whether or not that's like similar to what's going on in Crescent city. Um, I love all this. I love how it all ties together. You know, it's funny. Like she just continues to blow my mind, Sarah J Mass. Like I can't, it's so fun to theorize, but we'll never do it. She's so much smarter. <laughs> like she, she has such better plans than I think any of us can come up with. Uh, but it's fun to try and I can't wait to spend the next, you know, year and a half trying. It's just really fun to be on the ground in a fandom to be able to put like the tinfoil hat on and get wild with the theories. And I'm kind of hoping like with the rift, hopefully being in the great library of Terrison and then one also in the Southern continent, it's just 
Nezrin and Aelin barging into some common ground. Like, I don't want them. I want some, like, Avengers stuff where everyone just shows up. Like, I want them to show up and be like, I don't know what's going on, but you seem bad. You're done. (laughs) And then they get filled in. And then, like, then we have, like, a glimpse. Like, I want closure. But, like, don't hurt it. (laughs) Yeah. I Like, there's things I want out of, like, the Throne of Glass universe, but there's also things that I want to protect so much that I don't want touched. Yeah. One of the things that just what you just said kind of made me think about though, but that part of the reason I'm like advocating this like ridiculous story in theory is because at the end of the series, Aelin's kind of like depowered in a lot of ways, whereas Dorian's like an untapped source still. Um, So like he, he, to me, you know, I love Aelin. She's got tricks up her sleeve um, so much. And, and we're definitely going to talk when we cover kingdom of Ash about our thoughts on like depowering her, which bothers me, but, um, you know, Dorian is, is the powerful one, I think by the end of the series. And so mm-hmm. if they need help, he, he could have, he, he could have been, you know, Aelin in this series. Like he, he could have been, he's like the Neville has raw magic of this series. Yeah. <laughs> I'm he so glad you said it because I wanted to say it. Yeah, no, he is. He's, <laughs> he's, he's Neville. Like it could have been Neville. Like he could have been the chosen one. Um, and so like, let's give him that chance to be the chosen one in another series. I mean, I love it. I would love it. Um, I don't know. I don't like that. I just thought of this, but like Dorian has a lot of power. Aelin had a lot of power. Why was Aelin learning magic and doing things? And Dorian's powers hadn't surfaced by the time magic was shut down. Doesn't his dad say at the end, though, that, like, he thought it would shut it down? Like, when he, like, blocks magic? Yeah, but, like, when Aelin was, like, 1 to 10 or whatever. Yeah, Dorian's magic. 1 to 8. Yeah. yeah she's, until he was... she's burning down libraries and, like, getting yeah. people and it's so uncontrollable. And Good I wonder question. why. I hate that I just thought of it because I really don't, like. <laughs> getting yeah. too deep into like possible plot holes yeah yeah i'm gonna have to do some research on that but like <laughs> you would think he would at least like cook up a stiff wind every once in a while <laughs> <laughs> do something <laughs> like you know, like like books flying off a shelf like very harry mm-hmm. potter vibes like you're young and you're upset exactly. like but then things <sighs> yeah that's a really good point that is a good point I don't like that. I it's going to bother no, me now too. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, so sorry. it's fine. Friends. He's doing fine. He's got his magic hands. He's Ugh, got Manon. I can't move again. Jesus Christ. They're going like, to have shit. issues. You're going to have to split up empire storms. And- <laughs> <laughs> well, Ellie, thank you so much for joining us today. We had so much fun with you here. So much fun. It was so great to have you and to have another like obsessive with us here to talk about the series. We really appreciate you taking the time, the long time. I will, I will come <laughs> back anytime. I will oh, do yes. a round two, anything. It'll be so much fun because yeah, we, we love talking with you and uh, it's always fun to have, uh, like if I guess that are similar minded to us yeah. we're, we're all on the same page here and it's it's very fun um one more time if you want to remind our listeners where they can connect with you on tiktok yes please come hang out talk about throwing a glass um big alley g a-l-l-i-e-g um or alley white thorn galathinius which is much harder to spell um <laughs> but 
Real ones, blast no. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Real <laughs> ones. No, Tasia, where can listeners connect with you online? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Ragey Cakes. And I am a Twitter and TikTok lurker, but you can find me on Instagram at rain underscore reads. You can find the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at act age. And you can choose an email if you'd like at act pod at gmail.com. We love getting listener emails. Um, so we would love to get one from you. And if you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing us on Apple podcasts, that would be very helpful to get us up in their search results. Uh, that would be fantastic. Um, other than that, friends, we will be back. Uh, with continued Throne of Glass coverage um, in a couple weeks here with Empire of Storms. After that, we promise we are returning, taking a quick break uh, and covering something else. Uh, So stay tuned for that announcement. Um, But other than that, again, Allie, thank you so much. And uh, friends, we will see you in a couple weeks. Bye. Bye.